At times in our lives, we recognize we need God's help and to ensure he'll be present in our time of need requires more than just being a child of God in name, but rather being obedient to his will. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher in the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, To Be Blessed, You Must Reflect, where we will look at Samuel's restoration in 1 Samuel 7, where he recommits the Israelites back to God in the midst of a Philistine invasion and how God delivered his people as they corrected their worship. This passage helps us to look at ourselves and reflect on our relationship with God and consider our degree of faith and obedience especially when seeking God's help in our lives. I hope this sermon not only challenges you, but helps you to grow in your faith to God and commit yourself to a deeper degree of obedience so that you can be ensured that God will be with you no matter what problems may come to your life. If we're wise, our mistakes help us recognize where we went wrong with God and reflection upon those mistakes will put us in a position to where we can change our actions presently and in the future so that we grow spiritually so that we have the relationship with God that we want because we have to recognize that we all have made mistakes at some point in our lives and as we read 1 Samuel chapter 7 especially when you compare and contrast it with chapter 4, you see that something happened to where the Israelites recognized the mistake that they made and they changed their course of actions so that they could get the blessings, protection that they had wanted from God. Just looking at just both of them before we read 7, in both chapters, both incidents in the history of the Israelites, they were faced with battle with the Philistines. In both situations, they both trusted God to deliver them. They knew that God had the ability to grant them victory. And in both situations, they tried to utilize God to bring about a victory over the Philistines. As we read chapter 4, we recognize that that didn't quite happen. It didn't turn out so well for Israelites in the battle at chapter 4. What happened then? The elders, they called Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's wicked sons, to go get the Ark of the Covenant. They bring the Ark of the Covenant to battle. The Philistines hear the joy that the, the Israelites have by bringing this representation of God into their army to go fight yet they're defeated. They lose the Ark of the Covenant. And it travels around Philistine lands for seven months and God enacts plagues upon the Philistines and they eventually return the Ark back to the Israelites because they understand that they can't keep it because it's bringing about their destruction. And now we have come to where Eli and both of his sons have died. So we have a different leadership and we're now at another battle with the Philistines. And in reading this passage, we'll see how they reflected, learned on the mistakes they made in the past to receive the true relationship blessings that they had really wanted from God that he was always trying to give them. 
1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 1. And the man of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eliezer to have charge of the ark of the Lord from the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim a long time past, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So this is 20 years removed from them losing the ark at the battle that Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, took the ark out to to fight the Philistines in his return. And now the ark has been at Abinadab's house for 20 years. It's a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to uh, analyze what you've done with yourself, what you're doing with your life. And also, it gives you a point to say, how do we go forward and not make the same mistakes? New leadership. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisk from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the bells and the asterisk and they serve the Lord only. We see that there is a difference in approach to pleasing God in here. With chapter four, we had Hophni and Phinehas who were disrespecting God's worship. They were eating of the, the sacrifices, with, taking what they wanted. They were sleeping with the woman at the temple and they had no regard for God's word or God's will. And so what Samuel is saying is we need to repent. We need to make sure that we're honoring, that we're worshiping, that we're doing what God wants us to do with a sincere heart. And we need to get away from all of those things that are causing us to be less godly. And in doing this, God will deliver us. Not in bringing the ark to battle, but by worshiping God properly, God will deliver us. Get rid of all of the idolatrous ways and serve God with the sincere heart. Verse 5. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went out up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion and they were defeated before Israel. And the man of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far below as Beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. 
The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hands of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. It is widely believed that Samuel is the last judge of Israel. And when you read the story of Samuel, which I would say kind of ends right here in 1 Samuel 7, because what we have in 1 Samuel 8 now is going to start getting into the selection of the first king and Saul. But 1 Samuel 7 is going to almost conclude this period of judges for the Israelites. And what we see here is Samuel being called a judge numerous times in this chapter. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time in Samuel that he's referenced as a judge. We know in 1 Samuel 1 and 2, I believe, uh, 2 for sure, he is recognized as a prophet, somebody who speaks for God. He hears a vision from God, and Eli says, no, that's not me, recognizes this from God. He says, Those go and, and say, Lord, your servant hears you. And then God tells him and prophesies through him what's going to happen, and then God never lets Samuel's words fall to the ground. And then 20 years later, we see that after Eli's household has fallen, that Samuel now has taken the position of a judge and God has confirmed him in this victory over the Philistines, this enemy that actually we see has started during the days of Samson. So what we see now is the end of a period of judges with Samuel being probably one of the most righteous judges, the best judges, because we see from his beginning, his inception with his mother, he's wholly given to the Lord. He follows God with his heart his whole life, where you see a lot of these other judges in, in the book of Judges, not all of them, but a lot of them, they're called up out of worldliness to be utilized for God's purposes. But Samuel, just like the other judges, he's a leader of God's people, and there's a problem that they have slipped away from being who God called them to be. They've gone into apostasy. They've idol-worshipped, and then their enemy has come up before them, and they cry out to God, and before God responds, the person that God entrusts to be the leader says, you need to get right and stop all of this false worship, this idolatry, and then beseech God, and God will deliver you, and then that's what happens with the Philistines. They tried it the wrong way under Hophni and Phinehas. The Philistines are coming. We lost 4,000 people. We can win this battle. Let's go get the ark. They go get the ark. They lose 30,000 people. What does that tell them? That God is not confined to any relics or any, any symbols that's man-made and that that will not ensure you victory over your enemies. What do we see happening in the days of Samuel as he is a judge over these people? The Philistines are coming. Repent. Get away with all of this idolatrous worship. And as we're worshiping, the Philistines are coming. Don't stop crying out to the Lord. They don't say go get the ark. They say don't stop crying out to the Lord. And what happens as they're worshiping and they're focused on God? God acts. Thunder comes. 
It puts the enemy at disarray, and then they go and they conquer their enemies. And they're granted peace from them all the days of Samuel. This peace extends past the Philistines also to the Amorites. So what's, what's happening? God is showing them that I'm with you when you are with me. And I think what happens is as Samuel sees the situation, he reflects as he's grown up in the household of Eli. He sees all the wickedness that has happened there. He recognizes what they were doing wrong, knows that God has called them to something other than what they did, and he directs the people to repent. He directs the people to actually worship God with a sincere heart, and they worship God. And they recognize that God's presence is not tied to the ark. That, but if we worship God properly, his presence, God's presence will present itself even without any physical representation. Amen. And now what we need to do is focus on worshiping on God. But this only comes about, I believe, because there was some reflection on the mistakes that they had made. Recognizing the distance that they were from God and with a sincere heart being led by a leader who was led by God to worship, follow God as God desired. And some of the things that we can learn for our lives is that we can be assured that we have a relationship, the relationship that we desire with God and receive the blessings that we're actually trying to get from God, not if we have some relic that reminds us of God, no. But if our hearts are directed, dedicated to God, and we're worshiping God out of the sincerity of our hearts. Because we come across a lot of situations in life that remind us of things of the past, of what other people have been through, and it could cause us, if we're not reflective, if we're not cognitive of the fact that we have a God that is only asking us to worship him, that we need to direct our attentions to other things and let these problems in life cause us to be, in some sense, idolatrous and not see the connection between our worship to God and our blessings in life. It's easy to get like Hophni and Phinehas and say, I will disrespect God's worship and I'll take what I want and I'll live as I please. And then when I need God, he's going to come because I have brought this ark. And he's going to conquer my enemies. No. We'll see that we put ourselves and others at risk with that attitude. But what Samuel shows us is that if we genuinely get rid of all of these things that call us away from God, if we reflect on our own personal standing before God, when the problem arises, we don't have to be so concerned that we go out and confront that problem head on. We communicate with God our desires, our needs, and trust God to act, and we participate with God in what he's doing. Because you see what happens? They say, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out for the Lord, and the Lord answered him, 
And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack. You see, that would have caused a lot of people to say, let's stop this offering and let's go fight the Philistines. This is the same reason why God had told Saul that I'm taking the kingdom from you the first time. Remember, he said, I waited for you. And then the people, they got worried because you told me to wait these seven days and I needed to offer this sacrifice, but I didn't. So I did something on my own terms that I thought would appease you so I could have victory. But no, I didn't trust you wholly. And what we have here is Samuel trusting God wholly. When the Philistines are attacking, I'm not worried about that. I'm not going to let them cause me to be dismayed. What I'm going to do is I'm going to offer sacrifice. I'm going to call on God. When problems in your lives come, continue to worship God. Give him what he wants and trust that God's going to take care of those problems for you. As the Philistines are coming, God thunders in them and it causes them, it causes them to be disarrayed. And what happens? Then the Israelites participate in overthrowing their enemies. When God acts, we act with him. God's not necessarily acting because we started the action. But what he's doing is causing us, calling us to have faith in him so that we trust him so much so that no matter what's going on in our lives, we're maintaining our relationship with him. We're not letting this Philistine threat cause us not to worship. We're not allowing these enemies to cause us to lose faith. We're not going to be rattled and shooken by anything in life that causes us to fear. We might acknowledge the fear, yeah. Fear might be about our health. Fear might be a loss of finances. That fear might be some physical harm coming your way. We recognize, yes, that's real, that's a threat, that that's something that really could endanger us but at the same time it's not going to keep me from putting God first and when I put God first I know that he will protect me he will offer me the blessings that I'm seeking because I'm entrusting the situation to him but when he does that I still have a responsibility what do the Israelites do they'll go out and they conquer but it's after they've repented. It's after they've worshipped. It's after they've corrected those things that had caused them to be separated from God. And they had a leader who had such a heart, such a mind for God that he wasn't going to allow the people not to honor God properly. Samuel, the last judge, shows us what it really means to allow God to be your king. Because after Samuel is the judge, what we actually see is the first king installed where God had told him that I'm your king. And that's who they rejected. What we see in this battle with the Philistines, when we understand that God is really in control, we could trust him. We can put our faith in this God to deliver us from whatever worldly problems that we're having. And that's what God really wants us to do. And so Samuel demonstrates that. And the people testified to it because after they had done these things to get on the same accord as God wanted them to be on, what happens? The enemies are destroyed. The Philistines 
had left the Israelites alone all the days of Samuel. They even restored what was lost, what was taken under, I would say, other judges. Because they were dedicated to God, God took care of them. God provided them with blessings in the land that they lost. God provided them with protection and the security from the Philistines invading them. And that even extended to the Amorites, fellow nations around them. You see what happens when, when they had dedicated themselves to God, God took care of them. It wasn't because they had did everything they could in their own might to try to assure that they were provided for. It's not the stealing of the resources from God. It's not the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant out to battle with us. It's not the hedging our bets and putting faith in these other things that are not God to make sure that I'm taken care of, represented in the astral pose and the worship to these other bells. No, it's in solely committing oneself to God that all of these things that you're trying to get taken care of actually get taken care of. And that's what we see in the days of Samuel. And it teaches us that we can have this relationship with God that provides us all things that we're looking for in life. It teaches us that we do have a God who cares for us, but he wants us to care for him as well. And that starts with turning our heart towards him and not being afraid of those threats that will come to face us in life. Because they're going to come. This relationship with God, it didn't stop the Philistines until that relationship with God was solidified. We're going to have issues. And it doesn't even say they stopped being a threat. It just says they didn't come into their land no more. So we're going to have issues. And once we recognize that we're okay with that, we accept it, we can be who God wants us to be. It makes it a little bit easier. Because we know that if I go to church, that doesn't mean that life is just going to be a, a piece of cake. But it will be a little bit sweeter because I know these problems are going to be handled. And I don't, have to, I don't have to stress because God's going to, he's going to take the charge in dealing with these issues. Yes, I have my responsibility to go out and do what he wants me to do, but he's going to lead the way. And then the victory will be assured. And so repentance is key. Worship is key. Because our worship is not supposed to stop because these problems arise. It should cause us to have a deeper understanding of why we worship. When we have these difficult challenges in our life, we can say, I'm not going to stop worshiping. But this is the very reason why I do worship. Not because of the good, but because of the protection, the providence during the bad. If we just worship God for the good, when tough times came, we would stop worshiping him. But when we recognize that God is in control even during the bad, it causes us to commit ourselves to a deeper level of worship. So you might say, I don't understand why this is happening. Let me study. I don't understand what's really going on. Let me pray. I don't like the way that I'm becoming. 
Let me confide in a brother or sister and let me get some spiritual understanding because they might see something in me that I'm not recognizing that would help me straighten up. Because as iron sharpened iron, man sharpened man. And if we're not looking at ourselves honestly, we could easily be led astray thinking we're on the right track. If we're not measuring ourselves up against God's word, we could easily exalt ourselves and be far away from God. And if we're not being led by the spirit, we're being led by the devil. Disguised in many other forms, but it's not by God. And until we work on our hearts and until we reflect on where we're at, where we've been and where we're trying to go and align those aspects of our lives that are contrary to God's will, then we won't be where we really want to be with God. But one thing I will say the Israelites did have for them under the days of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the Bible never says they were following idolatry. So there's something to be said about that. That they still had a mind to, even if they were faking, to put God at the forefront. And when they did that, Samuel could come and take them all the way. You know the God you're supposed to serve. Now let's do it. And that's where Samuel takes them. Because in that 20-year gap, it seems like they had slipped and started allowing other things to come in, which becomes a problem in people's lives. But then when you have a, someone who's going to call, hold you to a standard, and tell you what's right by God's will, <coughs> you'll start to let all that other stuff go when you really want to be with God. And when you really want to be with God, you start working on self. And when you start working on self, you get all of the things that you're seeking from God and from those other sources in life. So you don't have to worry about being taken care of financially. And while it's wise to invest money to save money, you know God's going to provide for you. You don't have to worry about, will this medicine cure me? Because while it could help, we have a God who built you, who made you, who can touch you and heal you. And even when we leave this life, the whole point is to be in his presence eternally. So you might take a medicine that God is saying, it's time for you to transition. And I want you to be with me. And you're fighting it. But with faith, you'll understand where you're supposed to be and, and God will lead you in that battle. You might be at a point to where you're at odds with a friend, with the family, with, with somebody who's close to you because they're not going to get right. And you could just get an understanding from God that you have peace in the situation because you're going to do what you need to do by him and God's going to bring you to where he wants you to be. He might remove that person from your life. He might even grant peace between you and that person. He might even convert that person separate and apart from you or by the example you lead. But when you allow God to be God and you say, you know what, I'm going to do what you want me to do, God. And I'm not going to allow these problems to shake me. I'm not going to allow what's going on in this world to cause me not to live in faith. And I'm not going to stop anything to keep me from worshiping you as you like. Then God will take care of those things that appear to be a threat. 
And when we constantly look at where we're at and measure ourselves up to where we want to be, we'll see where we've grown. We'll see where we've been stagnant. And we'll see where we faltered a little bit. And we understand this grace that we're saved, but we also know that we have a part that we have to play. And we do what we can in our abilities to be the people that God would have us to be. And when we recognize that God is in control of all of this, dare I say, we look for people to lead us under the authority of God, recognizing that God is king. And we don't look for people to be king because we know that if man is our king, he still has to answer to God. But there's going to come some things, some stipulations with that that are, might be unbearable. So as we'll read later, the king, he gets to choose man and woman to be slaves from the households. He gets to enact a tax off the land of the people that are under him. He gets to take advantage of the people because that's what kings do. And you know what that means? They still had to give to God. It didn't alleviate any of their responsibilities to God. It just put an extra burden on it. So when we try to supplant God's authority with another man, all we're doing is adding on to our problems, our issues. But when we recognize God's authority in our lives, we know that those problems that we need help with, God really will supply the answer to. But we'll have to be faced with them. It won't be easy, but it will be resolved. Samuel, the last judge in Israel, testifies to this. And when we're living as God wants, we'll have peace in broad aspects of our lives. And my encouragement is that we continue to work on ourselves. I can't tell anybody in here where they're at spiritually. Sometimes I don't know where I'm at spiritually. That only comes through reflection and studying your word and asking God to show you. And hopefully you have somebody who is honest enough with you to let you know. But when that happens, honestly, sincerely, repenting, and doing what God wants. And through that whole process, continue worshiping God. Who knows? God will probably bless us beyond what we even expected, what we wanted. All the Israelites were really seeking was an answer to this Philistine problem. What did they get? They got that resolved. They got their lands back. And they got peace with the Amorites all because they corrected their hearts and their approach with God who wants to bless us, who wants to provide, and who wants to protect us. We have the same promises if we commit ourselves to the same levels as the Israelites did under the day of the Samuel. The message is yours, and I pray that we continue to work on ourselves. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. 
To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in Scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.